Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. This is How Do You Do That with Emily Tresseter on Joy 94.9, the show answering the questions you didn't even know you had. This episode comes with a trigger warning. It involves a lot of conversations surrounding miscarriage, stillbirths, and perinatal death. If you or someone you know needs support, you can find a number of different support services through joy.org.au forward slash support. This week's guest is an illustrator who illustrates children's books and perinatal loss portraits, Larissa Reinboth. Larissa founded Possum Portraits, which is a service that provides free perinatal portraits to grieving parents. We talk about why a service like this is so very important, not only to grieving loved ones, but also to normalize conversation surrounding miscarriage, stillbirths, and perinatal death. We talk about how Larissa found herself in this sphere and the positive impacts her portraits have for families. Plus, how she deals with the heartbreaking nature of what she does. It's an honor almost, you know? And so I I feel like I want to live up to the challenge and I want to do the best that I can. And that in itself is inherently motivating. Larissa is the founder and operator of Possum Portraits. What is Possum Portraits? I launched Possum Portraits or founded it earlier this year. And we're a a non-profit bereavement care service. We support parents who have lost a baby to miscarriage, stillbirth and neonatal death. And what we particularly focus on is we provide families with hand-drawn commemorative keepsake portraits of their baby free of charge. I know that they're free of charge. And I guess that that would have been quite a hard thing to make possible because obviously the illustrations themselves, your time and effort and everything like that would actually be quite costly. I wondered why you made the move to to make them free. So (laughs) obviously I still, uh, or you know, the artists still have to earn a living somehow. And so we're basically trying to structured in such a way that the costs, the running costs and the artist fees get covered by grants and donations. And we're running several fundraising activities to try and cover the cost that way so that bereaved parents don't incur a financial burden on top of having suffered this, you know, tremendously upsetting situation in their lives. We basically decided that we we would like to offer it for free and and that's what we're doing now. Also, because hospitals or like the, the potential referral agents, which are, you know, obstetricians and midwives and various self-help groups and, you know, the whole perinatal loss sector are much more happy to refer such a service if it's free because they know that, you know, it's not, it's not for profit and you're, you're not sort of preying on people that are exceptionally vulnerable in their grieving phase. And so in this way, this service is actually in a position to be, quote unquote, promoted or, you know, at least propagated throughout public to know for bereaved parents to come to know that this service exists and they can make use of it if they want to. And, and they don't have to pay. You know? And so, so referral sources are much more likely to, to talk about and recommend our service, let's say. 
Here I asked Larissa if she's always been an illustrator. I've dabbled in some various pursuits, <laughs> as probably many people with a creative degree are. They sort of graduate from art school and go, oh, great, what do I do with that now, you know? <laughs> and um, I've done quite a few jobs that are not, not necessarily very artistic. I've been project manager and I've worked in, in mining. I've also uh, run a, a language school in Peru and traveled quite a fair bit and then eventually circled around to what I knew I wanted to do, which was you know some, a career in, in the arts and illustration specifically. So Larissa shifted her focus to the arts. How did it go from knowing she wanted to be an illustrator to illustrating perinatal portraits? In that time, my sister is seven years younger than I am. And when I finally came around back home from all my travels and uh, experience, she had just completed her degree as a midwife. And she basically was the, the driving force and the instigator of, of drawing perinatal lost portraits because she even opened up this, this idea to me that there was a need and that there was you know, something that I could put my artistic talents to, to actually help people. So she, she basically opened the, opened the Pandora's box <laughs> of joining the, the perinatal loss sector and, and drawing these portraits. Like when she first came up with the idea, I thought she might, must be suffering from a bad case of German humor. You know, it's not really a, a job description that you, that you hear of, but she, she educated me as to the need and as to the potential benefits. And so I started in Germany and um, basically making these drawings available as a, as a creative service. So parents did pay. But when I moved over here uh, to Australia with my Australian partner at the beginning of last year, by that point, I had become aware that lost portraits were a genuine bereavement care offering. And so I wanted to make them freely available. If you look at the statistics, you know, one in four pregnancies in Australia ends in loss, which means that six angel babies there, basically babies that die shortly before, during or after birth are called angel babies. So six stillbirths happen every day and two babies pass away as a result of neonatal death. And then there are a hard to determine number of miscarriages that occur every day um, and every year. The best estimate is that one miscarriage occurs every three and a half minutes. So that is a significant number. There's a, such a social t- taboo around death as related to pregnancy and about grief and loss in particular that the average person doesn't really know even that this is a problem, even though strangely so many people are affected. At the start of your journey, you probably had a little bit of, of apprehension about the service and also the need. As you said, you thought maybe she was joking initially. How did it grow from that initial seed of thought to really taking this and running with it and bringing it with you when you came to Australia and making this you know, a really big part of your life? Well, the feedback that I got from bereaved parents once they, once they held the portraits in their hand was pretty much spoke for itself. The more portraits that I drew and the more gratitude that I received and, you know, parents would talk to me about what the picture did to them, what it did for their family, how it supported them and comforted them. And so I came to realize that actually it wasn't a, for want of a better word, it wasn't, it wasn't a gimmick, you know, it wasn't something that was, oh, you know, nice to have or something. It was a genuine therapeutic potential. And so that's, that's made me realize that, that actually it is a worthy, a worthy cause to start to start a, a non-profit around it. There isn't actually one 
anywhere in Australia, and as far as I'm aware, not one in the entire world that offers that offers perinatal loss portraits for free. Amazing. Yeah, there are there are certain photography services. So you'll you'll see there's one in Australia called Hartfeld, and they do absolutely fantastic work. They send volunteer photographers to parents to attend an angel baby birth and take absolutely amazing photos. But that service isn't available to everybody. Sometimes parents won't know that they're about to have a, an angel baby, or you know, the 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 photographers can't physically get to the to the location in time, and so then. You know, so often the, the hospital will take photos and, or parents will take photos themselves. Often, you know, it, they won't be very high resolution or they, they just won't be very good quality. Perhaps the lighting's not great. You're in an emotional, emotional state of vulnerability and shock. So, you know, you're, you're not exactly checking your <laughs> picture composition for layout and things like that. So this is basically where our service comes in, in the sense that it is delivered after the fact. And even if you have a photo that's grainy and pixelated and or you know you're not happy with it it maybe you can see birth defects or the baby has sustained damage to its skin during pregnancy you know it's it's kind of a rough physical process labor uh, and especially early term and preterm babies are very very fragile and so they sometimes don't survive labor unharmed and a photo cannot but show the this damage or any deformities and so what a what a portrait can do is you know attenuate these if if a parent wants that we have completely different possibilities at our disposal than a photograph does and so i feel like in terms of visual commemoration services in terms of giving people access to keepsakes of their baby portraiture is is another vehicle it's a, it's an additional or an alternative form of visual comm- commemoration photographs are fantastic and you know almost all bereaved parents their their photographs mean so much to them because it's, it's pretty much the only picture of their baby that they will ever have so it's very important to have photography services but but sometimes for various reasons photographs aren't very appropriate in certain situations so for example looking at a picture of a dead baby can be exceptionally confronting and so if you already have children and you want them to see their baby brother or sister you you might not want to show them a quite a graphic photograph whereas you'd probably be okay to show them a drawing because it's it's another step removed is that the way that it works typically with possum portraits that parents will send in pictures and then you'll do the drawing remotely yeah so we draw basically off the reference photographs that get sent to us. We need to base the drawings on something, and those reference photographs are provided by the parents. We can also combine several drawings. Say, for example, sometimes parents won't have a photograph with them and their baby, but they feel really strongly that they would like one. And so we can basically do a composite drawing in the sense that you would send a picture of yourself, just you know, any picture that you like or that's in a particular pose, so that when it's combined with the photograph of your baby, you, you have a, a portrait of yourself holding it, for example, even though that doesn't exist in reality. So we have lots more possibilities that, that we can do visually. Why do you think what you do and this service is important? Losing a baby is such a social taboo. And the, the silence around the issue really doesn't help bereaved parents constructively or rather, society doesn't doesn't really know how to help parents, and that includes, you know, not only society at large, but even sometimes friends and family. You know, it's really hard to talk about someone's dead child 
And so sometimes people try to avoid the topic because they feel very uncomfortable. They just don't want to think about it. Or they feel uncomfortable because they think the parent feels uncomfortable. They're scared of saying the wrong thing and upsetting them. And yeah, basically, we as a society have not been educated on how to talk about grief and loss in general, and in particular not when it comes to childhood and infant mortality. So we haven't really created a framework in which we can best support bereaved parents. What, what we see ourselves as doing is basically creating a vehicle in which talking about these issues can come sort of to the forefront a bit more. I mean, we have a, a visual service, you know, the our portraits are very, very tasteful, very respectful. And so if you, you know, if you put them up around the home, they might engender conversations with visitors. Oh, you know, who's that? Oh, that's my, my, my son, Leo. And you'll, you'll start talking about these issues. Often people, even close friends and family, they might inadvertently say very insensitive things, you know. Obviously they don't mean to, they mean to be supportive, but sometimes they, they don't quite get it right, you know, through no fault of their own. Nobody's ever told them, you know, what to say, what not to say, how to be supportive. Breaking the taboo around this topic is immensely important, really for everybody. And I guess also Possum Portraits as an organization, you mentioned that you go for funding because it is a free service to those that are utilizing it. You are extending the conversation societally, yeah. you know, not, not just on an individual scale, but also on a larger scale. Absolutely. I mean, you know, recently, for example, with some celebrities have come out recently and said that they've had miscarriages, you know, for example, I think last year, Meghan Markle's miscarriage made people aware that, you know, oh gosh, even duchesses can have this. Well, yes, they can. You know, in fact, it happens to uh, anybody uh, and everybody quite indiscriminately. And so people, people aren't really aware of that because, you know, you don't talk about it. Maybe you're not meant to, you know, it's sort of a bit hush hush don't tell other people about your problems but in fact you know it actually it's not tangential to society this issue i think a reason why we can support parents is because a portrait is a is a keepsake research has found that keepsakes have this incredibly positive impact on grief processing basically just acknowledging parenthood is so so important to these parents you know imagine that your your child died and somebody asks you in, in just like a routine conversation so you know have you got any children well, how do you answer that? You know, do you say, uh, no, I don't, in which case you, you psychologically basically deny the existence of your own child? Or do you say, yes, I do, but it died? Or, you know, things like that. We need to find ways to talk about this that are a bit more mature. I think it's incredibly clear that the service that you offer is incredibly important and, and valuable to those that are receiving the portraits and, and just in normalizing the conversations. I wonder why what you do is important to you. I want to feel that what I do is, is worthwhile, I think. But I've also had a, a miscarriage myself and I feel I can relate to, to the people that I deal with on a daily basis. I, I like having a sense of autonomy in the work that I do. And I, I like to know that it has, it has a genuine purpose. And yeah, I think that acknowledging a baby's existence with an appropriate form of memorialization is something that actually speaks to human culture. I don't think that there's a culture in time and space that hasn't had a way of commemorating their dead. It's, it's one of the things that makes us human. And so it's, it's uh, important to me personally to feel like I, I can contribute. In a way. Is this what you do full time? 
Yes, well, I, I do this, but I also do other things. I also do my uh, some other artistic pieces, like I mentioned, the, the children's books and some other things. And I think if this were the only thing that I did, that would probably be a bit hard. But I have other outlets, and so I think they balance nicely, and they, they, they help me keep the work that I do in perspective with everything else that I do too. It seems like it must be a pretty hard job to do, considering Larissa has other creative outlets. I asked her if it is hard. She speaks to that. Actually, I th- you know, is it hard? Yes and no. It's it's hard, obviously, because you're dealing with you know an incredibly saddening situation. But on the other hand, you know, it might sound odd, but when I look at a picture now that I get sent, I, I almost don't see a dead child anymore. I I see you know shapes and lines. I see light and shadow. I notice compositional possibilities, you know, and I immediately start thinking about how I can translate this photograph into the medium of drawing. It's certainly not a copy paste job, you know. There's there's often things that that I will change in terms of perspective and layout, and so I I almost don't see the subject. I almost more see lines and shapes. So it's not hard in the sense that it's basically a visual challenge that I'm solving. And so I, I feel motivated by the knowledge that I will draw an incredibly important person in, in another person's life and be able to give them just, you know, hopefully just a little bit of comfort. I love the sentiment and I think it makes sense because I think from an outsider's perspective, the thing that would make the job hard is obviously the subject matter. It's an art form for you. So it makes sense that you see it visually and and artistically. And that almost does offer a sense of not distance, but it does kind of the... I actually think distance is probably a good word. It does create a sense of emotional distance or psychological distance, which actually I think is very important to maintain in this line of work. Because if you take it, let's say, too personally, or if you you basically become individually affected by everybody's story, I don't think that you could do this job. I mean, you, of course, you, you have to be empathetic, but I don't think you must get too emotionally involved because it's, it's impossible to bear the weight otherwise. How do you deal with that element of your work, which is in, in many moments quite heartbreaking? I remember the first commission that I got after I had my own daughter. And then I all of a sudden had a completely different angle on this whole topic than I did previously, because now I could personally relate to what it would feel like to lose my child and I almost thought oh gosh I can't do this anymore (laughs) because it did become personal but somehow I don't know exactly how but I I I got back got back into it and and somehow found maybe a new passion for it because I could now relate and because I now was aware just how important it is in the sense that I wasn't personally able to relate to before and I don't know maybe I, I think I'm quite psychologically resilient just just on a, on a very personal level. And I don't know, my, my individual philosophy about life maybe helps me in the sense that I, you know, I don't claim to know why these things happen. I don't suppose that there's necessarily a reason. So I'm, I'm not searching for somebody to blame, you know, which means I don't get upset or angry when I can't find anyone to blame or hold accountable. And I try to accept things as they come and deal with them as best I can, which I'm able to do because I'm, like I say, not personally affected. It's much harder to do this when, when, you know, when it's your baby. Another thing that motivates me, even though, of course, the work is heartbreaking, is that I know that I'm creating something that somebody will cherish for a very, very long time. This is a picture of your baby. You're not, you're not gonna, you know, forget about it or throw away, throw it away in a few years. And 
these pictures will you know likely be kept by families until they until they die and it's it's quite a weighty challenge it is a weighty challenge but one that larissa has accepted for a reason let's shift gears for a second what is the best part about what you do oh the the most rewarding aspect for me is you know when when parents have received their physical portrait in the mail they'll you know they'll mostly write to me and and say how they <laughs> some some even have like basically an unwrapping ceremony and they'll tell me how you know how they felt when they first saw it and mostly they cry but it's they they're obviously tears of grief but they're somehow also tears of maybe relief or comfort you know in the sense that they they now have an, an object that respects and commemorates their baby in a in a worthy way and basically is a testament to the fact that it existed and didn't slip through the cracks. And so I find that incredibly rewarding. Has there been a particular moment that has been really validating? I gave an interview to the Germany's second largest newspaper, I think at the end of last year it was there. And this article interview was uh, read by, by a lady in her 40s. And she wrote to her parents following this and said, hey, didn't I have a, a brother? And it transpired to me in the um, subsequent email exchange that I had with her father, who was in his 80s, that him and his girlfriend at the time, this was, you know, decades ago, had a an out-of-wedlock pregnancy. This baby died. And because it was such a taboo thing back in the day, it was all hushed up and they didn't really talk about this evermore. And he wasn't even able to be there with his wife while she delivered their son. And, you know, it was quite a traumatic experience. And so, they later had a daughter once they were married, <laughs> you know, legitimate, quote-unquote, daughter. And when she read this article in the newspaper, got in touch with them, and her father then got in touch with me and said, we would really love to have a picture of our son to finally acknowledge his existence and have him here with us. The thing is, they didn't actually have a picture of their child. And so, obviously, that <laughs> that put me in a, in a bit of a bind in the sense that what would I would draw? And so, they showed me or they sent me a picture of what their daughter looked like as a baby and pictures of the mother and father when they were younger. And I basically, <laughs> let's say, freestyled a picture of what their son might have looked like and sent it to them. And they said, actually, that's, that's pretty good. Obviously, you know, the mother did see him. And the father didn't tell his wife that this was... That, that he had commissioned this portrait from me. <laughs> but this funny situation told me that when it finally arrived and the postman rang the doorbell, she got a bit angry and said, oh, what have you ordered again now? <laughs> What's this postman ringing the doorbell for? And then they all, they unwrapped the portrait together as a family and were all overcome by, you know, both grief and joy and just a, a sense of closure, I think, after all these years, uh, you know, of suffering needlessly because of nonsensical societal constraints that get put on these topics that, lo and behold, have something to do with sex, <laughs> you know, God forbid. And so this was one of the situations that really made me aware how it's important to to talk about these topics and to create instruments by which talking about these topics is facilitated. I've never come close to crying while doing the show. <laughs> that story definitely brought some tears to my eyes. That's really beautiful. Such a lovely thing that you can offer people. Amazingly, that you can do it after all those years for that particular family. It's such a beautiful thing. 
Yeah, it's actually not uncommon, you know, because people grieve so differently. Some people know like within a week of their baby dying, oh my gosh, I, I really, I need something now to help me through this. But I have gotten, like I say, commissions five years, 10 years, 20 years, you know, this story that I just told 45 years after the fact. It's not something you forget ever. And so this service is available to anybody who has ever suffered this loss, unlike photography, where, you know, you have to be there, there and then to, to offer the service. We can offer this service to anybody who's ever, who's ever lost a, a child, you know, years after the fact. And that makes it incredibly important, I suppose, useful. Do you think that you'll be doing possum portraits and these bereavement portraits forever? I, I don't think I would be able to do them solely <laughs> like i said but i do i do think that they will remain forever an aspect of what i do just because yeah like i said i can i can see the value in them i i feel that they're a worthwhile pursuit and i've actually invested a lot of uh, time and energy and creative thought into into setting up possum portraits and it gives me a sense of purpose and fulfillment and i know how important it is so i don't think that in that knowledge i could conceivably go oh you know what i think i've had enough of this now <laughs> yeah i think i'll yeah, I'll probably continue to do it and hopefully find some new creative pursuits to endeavours to pursue along the way as well. Speaking of, are you the only one that does the illustrations at the moment? Uh, at the moment, yes. But we, we've put in some grant applications, which hopefully are going to get to be approved. And I'm going to implement a training program. There'll be an, an open call for entries or for applications rather in the new year, January of the new year, where I'm going to be seeking interested artists and illustrators to come and join me in delivering this service. So uh, I'm really happy to update you on, on that when the time is near and people would like to come and draw portraits with me. Speaking of what's happening at Possum Portraits, Larissa tells me about something that's happening right now. We have various events and activities that we run with the objective to funding our mission. One of them is we've got a community raffle ongoing at the minute. The prize draw is going to be on November 6th. If anybody wants to um, purchase their tickets, we've got some really great prizes to be, to be in with a chance to win a prize and to, to support us also. They can go to possumportraits.com.au forward slash events and you can buy your tickets there and also keep up to date with any news and ways you can get involved. I'd like to extend a huge thank you to Larissa Reinboth for being on the show. It's been so wonderful chatting about the need to normalize conversations around perinatal death, as well as how important her work is and how she processes what she does. If you would like more information about their raffle or possum portraits generally, head to possumportraits.com.au. I'd also like to extend a huge thank you to you for listening to the show. It really means a lot and I love creating this show. So if you do enjoy How Do You Do That, I would love if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give it a five-star review or wherever you get your podcasts and tell some people, I don't know, send them a link, get them to listen too, because I love creating this show and I would love more and more people to listen to it. Thanks for listening to another episode of How Do You Do That with Emily Tresseter. If you think you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, get in touch. Email howdoyoudothat at joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.